What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabro, and I'm here with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well out there. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest story in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what you've been playing? Yeah, so uh, sort of a continuation from last week. I'll get it out the way early. Uh, still been playing Elden Ring, uh, a whole lot of it. Somewhere between, like, 35 hours-ish, uh, which is, you know, a, I think a pretty decent amount to, to start getting those final, not final thoughts on it, because the game is so just content-filled. Uh, but none of my opinions have really changed, you know, everything I've talked about, you know, the open world, how, you know, failed it is, um, you know, how full of content it is, how, you know, even if I just jump in for like an hour or two, I find, you know, four or five new things to do, uh, a new boss to try to attack, or a mini boss, or a new area, a church, uh, I mean, the game is just, I'm sure everyone's just tired of hearing about Elden Ring, uh, but the game really is something special, there, there is something just like, I can't even put my finger on it still, that it's like, why is this game just hooking me so well? I, I just think it's it's fixed so many issues that I've had with other open worlds that I've always felt almost so empty. And that's the, the biggest thing. It's like, at no point do I feel like I wasted time exploring, you know, certain a mountain area just because I will find either some weird side mission or a new weapon or a new kind of enemy. You know, the enemies start to get a little repetitive in, in certain aspects. And... Uh, you know, I do still wish that the game was just performing a little bit better. Uh, we've waited so long for this game that I just don't see what would have been the harm of delaying just a little bit more. Because, um, you know, it's like you know, the grass poppins are always popping and still... And that's everywhere. I've seen it even on, like, the highest PC rigs to anything. Those, you know, the textures are just they're, they're constantly popping in. And just makes me wish it was just baked a little bit more and it would have just been a little bit better. I still do feel I that they're missing features. I know some of this stuff is you know from software's dna uh not having sort of like a quest log and stuff i just wish there was not a specific waypoint thing but just sort of a remembrance of who i talked to and what they may have asked me to do um i know there's this big patch that came out that actually nerfed a lot of things um made the game actually a little bit more difficult but they also let you mark npcs now on the map which i guess is kind of gonna help but it's gonna have to keep teleporting back and forth to remember what you know specific people even asked me to do or hinted me to do but you know the game really caught me by surprise and I, I i commend them i mean this is a game that i literally had zero intentions on planning to buy to even play and it's pretty much jumped forward to like top of my list for the year and i know it's early to start talking about game of the year but i can see why this is really it's really up there and i would be surprised if it doesn't end up in my top five but loving it i have not played it since this new patch um I read through the patch notes. Nothing that they've changed seemed to affect me, uh, specifically the way I play. I'm playing it. I know people with magic, and I know I guess there was ways to cheese some of the bosses that they fixed. Uh, apparently, there's this, there was this boss that you could apparently just jump over and yeah, take mog. them out without mog. That's correct. Uh, apparently, they moved a pillar or something, something like that. Yeah, None of that pack. stuff. Yeah. Is, uh, something like that. That's that's the one people would get naked and jump on a ledge, right? That's yeah. from my understanding. From a tombstone over to the edge, yeah. Yeah, apparently that's all been patched. Uh, and so, obviously, that that comes and goes. Um, but, so, I don't think anything that, the way I play, specific, I, I looked at the attacks and summons that have been changed and strengthened or nerfed, and none of it made sense to me. Uh, there were some boss names that I didn't even recognize, so... I'm fine. I won't notice any of the changes. I know other people are, are all up in arms. But still, that's the that's the main bulk of my 
gaming time. It's slightly slowed down just because I'm starting to almost explore everything, but apparently there's a whole snow area I haven't even touched. Don't even know where that is. So, oh, so you'll get there. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, and again, 35 hours in, and it's not like I'm just exploring back and forth. But my goodness, what a good time. Um, quick mention: I obviously been playing Mario Kart 8 for a while. We got the first two cups in uh, the DLC. Um, it's you know. More Mario Kart 8. I'm, I do like a lot of these levels. A lot of nostalgia. Slightly disappointed that... N- slightly disappointed that none of the stages have been redone in the sense that... big The big thing for Mario Kart 8 was the anti-gravity sections. And not that I know, but I don't think any of these stages incorporated it at all. They're almost pretty much drag and dropped. And obviously HD and make to look all pretty and stuff. But to my knowledge, I don't remember in any of the eight courses that we have any of the anti-gravity sections. Um, so that's almost kind of disappointing, especially after this many years you couldn't rework. Uh, some of these stages I don't even recognize. I, I know some of them are actually from the Mario Kart phone game, yeah, which you can sure. tell which ones they are because they're so straightforward. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this definitely was from a mobile game. Um, but it's, it's cool to see some, ones, some of it returning. There's that mall level that's really cool. Um, that was really fun to see, uh, you know, back in HD. So, spending some time there, very casually on there, obviously. is It's just more Mario Kart. <laughs> Not much more I can say. Um, two other things I've been playing. Uh, again, one, I don't have much to say. Uh, they finally ported and updated uh, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. I uh, got that on Switch just to have it with me. And not much more to say. We know the game. We know the Arc System. Obviously, it's been a while since I played this. I forgot how much story mode there is. Um, I shouldn't be surprised because we know how Atlas is with the Persona games. They put stories and modes. Even when things don't need it, we all remember Persona 4 Dancing had that huge long story mode. <laughs> that was a little much, to be honest. Um, but it's super cool to see these characters again. It's super cool to see this game again. Uh, I got it on Switch just because obviously I needed it on the go. And I wasn't going to get the Platinum or anything like that. Um, but again, it's super cool to have the definitive version. You know, I'm glad they didn't like stretch this out by giving us the first one, where because I believe this one brings the first game story mode as well. So it should be pretty good. Um, and then the the last thing I've been playing, uh, Strangers of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origins. Oh. Yeah, didn't even recognize that it was. I knew it was coming out. I, I just I remember the debacle about this. I remember the issues with the demo that we all had and laughed. I remember the first demo came out, uh, chaos, chaos, chaos uh, in those trailers. That first demo that was broken. Um, so it was a, a touch and go for me for a while, where I was like, do I cancel the pre order? Do I not cancel the pre order? Um, and and something about that last demo that came out, I played and I was like, okay, some things have been tweaked. Uh, and before I got to even fully decide, uh, I ordered, I pre-ordered on Amazon. Amazon usually will ship a game like on a Thursday to arrive on a Friday for me. Um, some reason that shipped like Monday <laughs> to reach its Friday destination. Uh, so I, at one point I was like, "Well, it is what it is. It shipped. I'll keep it." And I'm, su- I'm surprised. I'm surprised on, in general, the package of the game. Uh, there's so much. Obviously, we know there's so much. It's, it's it's I'm all over the place with this. Gameplay wise, it's pretty solid. It, it does play a little old. Uh, the structures of the levels and everything do remind you of like an old PS2 style game. Uh, graphics are weird in this weird halfway point where I consider them almost like last, like early PS4 gen. Uh, a lot of blur, a lot of fuzzy like distance draw, you know, like draw distance and things like that. 
when you're zoomed in, some of the models look pretty cool. But there's something about it that just also feels so all over the place. Uh, I mean, you you see, we've made fun of it before. Like, you see the main character looks so generic. His name's Jack. Uh, and this is supposed to be like a prelude, you know, a, a origin story to the original Final Fantasy game. So there's some early things that you can see pretty easily what, what's going to happen. Um, but it's weird that some of the side characters look more like a main character than the main character does. Um, and starting the game off is really awkward because everyone's pretty much in just jeans and a plain t-shirt. Like, they just walked out of Macy's. It's super awkward. And then, but the king, you're speaking to a king who's in this giant robe. And the knights look awesome. And the abilities and the enemies look cool. And there you are in a, in a, in a polo almost <laughs> with some of these characters. So it's super weird. I, I it's just, I'm all over the place with this game. Where I do enjoy the game. But then it's just filled with systems that are too much. It's got this almost... Uh, you played the Neo games, obviously. Yeah. Um, where it's so focused on picking up uh, loot, obviously. And, and But unfortunately, like none of the loot looks that interesting in this game. And you pick it up so much that you're pretty much constantly putting on the same two shirts. Just one now is a level 5, then you jump to a level 6, and then you jump to... And it's minute differences. So it's a little annoying. Uh, so it's got to the point where I just go down and I hit auto... <laughs> A sign and it just kind of maxes it out for the party uh leading to my party to look like idiots uh i'm talking weird masks with veils and then uh almost a tank top shirt and then these big puffy pants like my characters look wild all the time um but that's neither here or there i would have wished for uh, a different system a lot a lot of uh, the class system is really cool uh depending what obviously what weapon which pulls from final fantasy which weapons you are using to what abilities you can use work Unfortunately, you're stuck with two, so you have to constantly go into a menu to switch the two because you can't use like magic with a specific weapon. So you have to use a get a weak weapon to equip it. To and it's, there's a lot of micromanaging that's annoying. I um, mean, it's not as fast and fluid as you want. That that's where that old PS2 old style of gameplay really work. Um, then the last thing I gotta mention on it because I'm still early on. I want to say I'm like seven eight hours into the game. Um, the dialogue. The dialogue is atrocious in this game. The dialogue is absolutely atrocious this game, and it's got that it's got that Namora just stink all over. I mean, his name's all over the beginning credits, and you know, certain games we expect this sort of cheesiness. We all know the Kingdom Hearts flavor. You know, the the darkness and the let the light and open the door to your heart, and we know all that, right? You and I are huge Kingdom Hearts fans, but yeah. we don't deny the 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 spine tingling just ugh. That there is with it, uh, and you're gonna get a lot of that here. That whole meme of chaos—they say chaos so much, and, and and even more than these trailers that we've made fun of, where it's constantly "I gotta kill chaos." And I'll wrap it up with just the beginning scene. Uh, you're Jack, the blonde guy, in your little black shirt, and you're walking up to a castle. You have a stone that vibrates. You turn around, and there's your two partners, Ash and Jed, and they don't say anything they don't know each other and then they just all take their stones out and it's vibrating and they just look at each other they don't really say anything and then jack just goes all i know is we're here to kill chaos and they fist bump and <laughs> yeah. that's it that's the origin of the story and i believe that's in the the newest demo too that you can download and that's it that's how this team got to, got together uh it, it's super awkward and even later on, when you get different party members, there's that whole, there's been that whole scene that we saw in another demo too, where where 
it's almost like you can't kill chaos and the guy just you know oh that's bs plays music in his airpods they're not airpods but they're just wireless bluetooth earphones walks down the steps and then immediately turns the music off and it's super weird there's like a frank sinatra song that's playing in the tutorial the game is just this weird nonsense but i think is i'm dying of laughter sometimes because of the dialogue and it's just super weird and it's like a game where it's like i cannot recommend this but thing is i i've learned to expect it from this game so it's like touch and go where it's like i'm interested to see where the ties are to the original final fantasy which you know it's been a long time since i played final fantasy one um so it's cool to see some of these characters and themes roll that are you know developing but then it's just bogged down by some nonsense and the glitchiness and like i've fallen through the floor a few times and i've been walking against a fence and then my guy will go through the fence and then fall and i die and it's all over the place and i just i just don't even understand like there's something i don't know if if the camping cheesiness is what's getting me through it like i'm expecting it to be like this god-awful dialogue is what keeps me going because i can't believe every sentence i hear uh, i mean there's a four minute conversation you know it was probably like a two minute conversation where your character has a cut on his face and then one of the other characters goes do you want some medicine for that and jack goes no some spit will take care of it. He licks his finger, rubs it on his chin. Nothing happens. And then that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the conversation that happens. And I can't believe that some of this stuff has made it in where it's like people in the recording studio just hit, were fine with that. That that's that's what we just wasted two minutes on. Uh, it's, it's a whole mess of things. So that's where all my time has been divided right now. Obviously, you know, Mario Kart, I won't be playing too. You know, I'll be playing Mario Kart as the new courses come out. Persona, you know, Arena is kind of just the sort of random game I play. Um, so right now, still doing the Elden Ring and Final Fantasy combo for for a while. We'll see which one I get in first or hopefully beat Final Fantasy and never have to touch it again. Um, so that's all I've been playing. Jabril, what have you been up to? Sure. So uh, I guess I could kick off with Horizon. Um, still playing that. I'm maybe between 20 and 25 hours in, so like a decent amount. Um and overall, yeah, I like it a lot. I didn't have any major critiques last time. I don't have any significant critiques this time, other than the fact that I'm probably a little bit bored with it, to be honest with you. Um, it, it definitely kind of gives you uh, a, a formula of what they're trying to do here. You get a gameplay loop. There's some degree of variation between the different things you can do in the game. And then from that point onwards, it just kind of goes through that cycle over and over and over again. So eventually, you know, I'm, I'm getting definitely a little bit more on the burnt out side. Uh, I'm definitely, uh, to a certain extent, I'm less engaged and and more engaged somehow at the same time with the story this time where it's like, um, in the first one, I felt way more engaged with exploring the world and doing uh, side quests and stuff like that because I just, I, I was so fascinated by the dynamic between this kind of like hyper futuristic and then back to um a tribal lifestyle that kind of way that that, that disparity between the, those two things were very interesting and so this time uh maybe because that's normalized a little bit more um i just can't get into any of the side plots i can barely get into the main plot line however there's been some revelations in some of the newer story mission parts uh, that have actually been really, really interesting. So to some degree, I would say like I'm really bored with it and kind of off it. But at the same time, there's something going on that I really want to see the ending to. So I'm probably going to definitely stick it out. 
um, there you hit a point where basically uh, the game opens up a lot more and it gives you three major tasks to take uh, part in and I would imagine at the end of that third task you enter like the end game and then this is not really spoiler territory this is just kind of the natural trajectory of the game uh, and I just finished the first of those three tasks so that's kind of where I'm at in it um, not to mention it doesn't really open up like open open up uh, until maybe 10 to 15 hours in uh, it was very late but and it's funny because I, the, it doesn't hit the title sequence until maybe an hour into the game so that it has like a really long regular intro and then on top of that everything before that point I really do feel like it's kind of like an extended prelude up until about 10 to 15 hours in uh, where there's a major story thing where it's like okay so now you set out on your journey and then you go from that point onwards so uh, having it structured like that was actually really interesting and, and somewhat exciting actually because when you're like 10 to 15 hours into the game you're like okay I get it and then it's like basically like actually no you don't here's actually what you're going to be doing for the rest of the game that is kind of exciting but at the same time with so much competition specifically Elden Ring being out right now yes I'm mm. having trouble getting myself to play it and I feel bad because uh, you could basically see all the air sucked out of the marketing budget of Horizon the moment Elden Ring came out, um, and I was definitely trying to be that middle zone where it's like, okay, I can I can definitely play both, and it's like it's it's definitely not being both because I played the I have I got this game first as you remember uh, last episode I was playing this for maybe a week a week and a half before I got Elden Ring, um, and I already have double the time in Elden Ring that I have in Horizon. Uh, Mm-hmm. so that tells you kind of everything where i'm at um but overall yeah i still think it's a very good game i just think it's a little bit on the boring side personally that's just kind of my personal opinion i know some other people are like super engaged and super really into it but i think it's definitely the most bored i've been from a major sony release in a while uh doesn't reflect necessarily in the quality game so much as like i think they made a big world with lots to do in it, but not much. Not much of that, I think, is that fun to be honest. After a while, um, but yeah, overall, Horizon I think is a good game. Um, and then next one, and I have to give you a shout out for this one. Uh, you were able to come in clutch with the PS4 core, uh, code for, and because I really didn't want to buy this game, but I really did want to play this oh, game, yeah. and so it's Gran Turismo Seven. Uh, Overall, and, and just before I give my thoughts on that, I just want to give a caveat to everybody. I am not like a racing fan expert or anything like that. I'm fairly casual. Play a lot of uh, Forza. I play a lot of the old Gran Turismo games. I have one and two on PS1, uh, so I play those every once in a while. Um, but I, I, I'm, I think I'm like a casual racing game fan. Like I play a lot of them, but I, I don't play a lot of them in depth necessarily. Um, and what I will say is that I hate this game. Like, pretty much top to bottom. Uh, I don't have a ton that I like about it. I think when you're racing, I think the experience is pretty solid. It's pretty much everything around that that I hate. I hate the overworld. I hate that there was a nine-minute unskippable cutscene that was really boring at the beginning. I hate that it was down for 30 hours. 30 Mm -hmm. hours and it just got back up because there's no offline mode i hate that it's littered with microtransactions i hate that it has no personality whatsoever like overall i just i don't like this game and so i'm really glad that i didn't pay for it so thank you for that steve really appreciate that you (laughs) saved me 70 bucks there um 
but yeah, I, I, I hate this game pretty much. Uh, and again, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm not saying I hate this game because I'm like saying this is a bad racing game. No, I just hate everything around it and I don't find it fun whatsoever. I played it twice now uh, and I really tried to force myself to do some. And I also hate that they did made you do this weird music mode that they were playing some weird classical song. I just, I hate everything about it. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And they had a coffee shop that you would think I like and I don't. They filled it with old Japanese cars that I don't want to see. And then they have a weird, the maps all look the same. And there's just no, there's, it's just not fun to me. Um, and, and I guess that's just maybe because once upon a time, this was like the premier racing title. It always had the most beautiful graphics. And it was this kind of like high, super fast fun. Um, and it just really demonstrated the power of these consoles. And I guess now that we're in a place where in many ways, you have other titles that look just as good as it. And then, like, I, I just realized I'm just more of a Forza guy, to be honest. Like, I like the kind of party, open-world atmosphere of uh, of Forza as opposed to, like, the more contained, linear, racing specialist vibe of Gran Turismo. It's just not my thing anymore. Um, so, to some degree, I have to be fair with it, where it's like, I think they're already fighting an uphill battle with me because it's just it's not really my taste. Uh, and then to on top of that, there's just a lot of kind of pretentious feeling nonsense in this game that I just hate it. Have you gotten the chance to play this? Because I, I got it from you, so. Yeah, I completely forgot that, <laughs> that I bought it. I don't this blame game. you. Um, so, yeah, uh, I you know, I got it. It came with a little extra uh, code. Um, at first, it, my whole story with this game is a little weird because I, I had pre-ordered it, then I canceled it because I was like, I'm not going to play Gran Turismo 7. Uh, and then last second, I did pre-order because something bothered me. I think it was the same for you. It's like for the culture of PS5, I wanted exactly. this game. It's a major it, release. So I pre-ordered it through GameStop. I, well, I, no, I ordered it through GameStop at some point, and there was this whole big debacle where they canceled my order. Then they brought it back and they shipped it to me. Then they shipped me a second copy of the game. Oh. Um, so I have two physical copies, and my first thought was to mail you a copy. Jokes on me! I forget you have a no, all digital right. PlayStation. So I found someone else to sell it to. Um, oh, so I've good. recuperated some of my, my, my money, uh, luckily. Installed it. Wasn't going to use the PS4 code. We thought we could beat the system. I thought you could upgrade it. You couldn't upgrade it. Not uh, on PlayStation. They always think did it. Way. Yeah. Didn't matter because, obviously, once I started the game, um, I was, you know, yeah, did the, you have to do that music tutorial. I tried to get out of it. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, also there's that huge movie where it shows like the, the the origins of a car and these people driving these old cars. I'm like, can I skip this? And it's like nine minutes, man. It yeah, I, it's forever. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You do that music tutorial. Game looks gorgeous. Um, oh. I don't know what it, you must be. Obviously, you're playing the PS4 Pro. PS4, version. it still looks good too. So I could only imagine. How the I'm PS5 sure. Version yeah, was. I'm sure it's not like drastically different. It looks good. It looks looks like a good car game. You know. Um, but everything else, one, you're just slammed with the t t tutorials. Uh, you know, this is like 8 p.m. on one night. I'm just trying to, eh, let me jump in and get a couple of races. And and you're being slammed with all this stuff that you can do. You know, oh, go to the cafe. I'm like, oh, what's at the cafe? Oh, books so you can collect cars, books. basically. <laughs> Boring. So a, a checklist. Uh, I'm like, so you guys made a checklist into a hub uh, for some reason. And, you know, and I'm playing the game, and it's cool with the dual sense, you know, some of the stuff. But it's, it, I didn't really notice too much of it, honestly. It's like I was playing any, uh, any Gran Turismo. And that's when I was pretty much in the same boat where I'm like, 
I know I wanted this for the culture of PS5 and to support, you know, these big IPs and but I'm like, this is not for me. It's the same reason I won't get Forza Motorsport. Yeah, Those games yeah, aren't yeah. for me. Uh, this solidified the only difference for Forza Motorsport is we don't have to buy it. It'll be on Game Pass. Exactly. Um, but that's when I really realized I'm like, I the only way I can see myself enjoying these games if I were and I'm not gonna do it, get the whole setup, get the wheel and and get the gear shift and become super simulated mm-hmm. uh, where it makes me feel like I'm driving. But something about driving these cars on a controller just doesn't make sense to me. And then I had to, and I know it's it's hard to compare them, but I went back and played Horizon 5. Um, and I was just like, this is so much better. Um, it, not that it's better, but it's a completely different flavor. And that's what I want. And I'm like, this is what it is. Where I can literally just jump in, jump into a car and either do races or just fly through and smash things. But that's super simulated on a track. And it's like, oh, now you're in this part of the world. The track looks the same. It's black and white asphalt. Oh, now you're in this part of the world. Here's black and white asphalt. And I'm like, okay. Uh, even games like Dirt changes up way more than that. Uh, the sure. last Dirt, whatever, whatever the last Dirt was. So, yeah, Five, I completely I forgot I did have that game. So, Good thing, uh, good pickup there. I forgot about Grand Turismo Seven. Yeah, and and I'm not like, and you would know this. I'm not like being dramatic here when it takes like 25, 30 minutes before from turning the game on to actually being able to just race. Um, and and mind you, uh, and again, I hate to build this connection because in many ways it's not fair, but at the same time, I think it's really fair. Where it's like, imagine, rem- try to remember the first time you turned on Horizon. They show you yep. a cutscene that turns into gameplay. In minutes, you are in a race against a freaking plane, like yep, within minutes. Mountains and you yeah, got music bumping and and you know it's newer tracks of music, not this classical. Exactly, and they're not even letting you go full speed. They got you in this bum ass buggy car. Like it's just yep, like, yep. come on, bro. I I just I'm not, and the problem is, so I played the first night. I got in. It took me like maybe yeah, like 20, 30 minutes to get in finally and be able to just race. And I did a couple races and I was like, okay, I'm like a little bored by this. So maybe like 40 minutes in, I I, I got like 20 minutes after that point. I played and I stopped. And then in a couple days passed and I was like, you know what? I need to give this a chance. I, I really want to talk about this next episode and mm-hmm. I want a good vibe of it. And so I played it one more time and I looked around. I bought a new car with what I have. This game is flooded with microtransactions, but they give you at least enough starter currency to buy a car, if not two cars. Um, and and I would imagine you could, to some degree, grind out some uh, some currency without having to put in necessary uh, regular money. I would imagine it probably is just a lot. Um, and so... I did a couple races with that car. It was a lot faster. felt a lot better. I was like, this is a very pretty game. Again, I'm playing the PS4 version, so it's like I could only imagine what the PS5 version looked like because the PS4 version looked quite good, but it, it felt good. It was running good. Um, and then, you know, I just got bored again. And I was like, you know what? I had to do the thing. I was like, get off my console. Get off my console right now. And so I deleted it. I just I took it. I was like, Take, get off of my console. I need space for my Elden Ring saves basically yeah. <laughs> and so i per I, I deleted it from my console maybe i don't know four or five days ago and yeah that was the end of my journey with gran turismo so as of right now i don't think i'll ever play it again um i will never say never i have that code there so if i ever want to reinstall it I'll, I'll reinstall it but i don't see a case for why i'd ever do that unless there was a major overhaul of it and they fundamentally changed the game and made it better than maybe i could see going back but at this point i think that's kind of it for me i'm kind of soiled on it 
Um, really quick, I've also played Mario Kart like you did. Uh, for anybody who didn't know, two new cups, which is eight new tracks. Uh, my favorite one is probably the Paris Promenade uh, or Promenade or whatever. Uh, and that's a lot of people's favorite, but yeah, it's beautiful. It kind of loops in on itself, so you actually, for the first time since I double dash maybe I think is what they said um, you actually kind of come in direct head to head contact with the people in last place so that's actually really that's funny cool. um, Yeah, it's just a well designed map uh, I like it a lot it's beautiful and it looked great on the OLED screen that kind of like sunset look at it so I had a really great time uh, and I tried out like you know multiplayer too and yeah no they, they run great they look great uh, it's really fun being able to go back to places like Chaco Mountain lot, uh, they had like one or two maps from uh Mario Kart Super Circuit, which was like a one that I played probably the most as a kid, um, and so kind of going back to those places and actually see them like kind of like fully realized in 3D was actually really exciting for me. So yeah, I was really positive about that, and you know I think for me obviously I was not super happy with the the expansion pass for for Nintendo uh, and the kind of price proposition and what you were getting and the drip feed approach for N64 games but with this being the second major DLC drop that is free for people who have the expansion pass the first being the happy home designer add-on thing for uh, mm -hmm. Animal Crossing it this really has kind of closed the gap for me to make it worth it for me so long as this if this keeps up you know not, and this doesn't have to be an every month thing but you know, a couple times a year, major DLCs being free for the expansion pass, that totally makes it worth it for me personally, especially this Mario Kart thing, because all in all, I think you're going to end up with like 48, 50 new tracks or something crazy like that. Um, and, and the fact that I don't have to pay anything additional to that, I think is really awesome. So yeah, it super makes it well, you know, worth it for me, really happy about it. Mario Kart 8 is still amazing. I love Mario Kart and I love any excuse to go back. Um, so yeah, very positive about that. And lastly, yeah, as I kind of mentioned, I'm also playing Elden Ring. I'm just below 40 hours right now. I'm like at 38, I think. Um, and I've made a lot of progress. I'm doing way better than I thought I was. Uh, I die all the time, but obviously that's to be expected. But um, yeah, um, I find it a lot easier than Demon Souls uh, personally. And the big thing is, yeah, I'm, I have... So I started out a complete kind of strength build, all melee, no magic really. I would use incantations every once in a while, but for the most part I had, uh, I forget what sword I was using at the time, but a solid sword, some decent armor, and I was kind of just slashing away at people and dodging, getting my dodges up. So I, I, I learned how to play it and learned my timing a little better. And then maybe 10 hours ago, or like 10 hours, in 10 in-game hours ago, I decided that I really wanted to rework my character, and so what I did was I kind of respect them, and I got their faith and intelligence up, and I decreased my strength a little bit because I got my strength insanely high um, to like I don't know fifty, fifty-five, something like that. Wow! Um, and because I was doing a strength build, not that I completely mm -hmm. ignored, like I got my dexterity up and my endurance up too, so I can wield good things, and um, my FP was super low because again I wasn't using magic at all. Uh, but I was doing mostly a strength build. So I took basically 15 of those points, and then I kind of lowered some of my other points and got my faith and intelligence up so I could start yielding uh, or wielding better weapons. I got myself the Meteor Staff. Um, and, yeah, I've just been playing kind of half magic, half melee. So it's like a strength intelligence build now. Um, so I have the sword of, I forget what it's called, like, 
it's like a fire and you can do the beam it's the one a lot of people use it's really good yeah okay um i'm using that sword and then the meteor staff so i can and then for the meteor staff i have like the rock projection move where you can kind of like pick the rocks out of the ground and throw it at people i have this cool beam move and then i have this really cool like buff incantation that can uh heal a team and so i've been really liking the way my character is playing now um I have like this twin armor that you can get in the round table hold. And for anybody who's not playing Elden Ring, I'm sure all of this is just yeah. mumbo jumbo <laughs> to you. But yeah, uh, overall, no, I really, 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 really like the game. Definitely my game of the year for right now. Not even close. Uh, it's like blew past everything else. Um, yep. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm still playing it. I'm very deep into it. Uh, but there are... It's definitely like the set of bosses that I have available to me, one being the major story one, and then the other ones being kind of side things. They're all right now just a little bit beyond my abilities, so I'm, I'm still trying to get my character a lot stronger, my ma my magic a lot stronger. I need higher FP because I run out of that all the time, and I'm just chugging through my uh, mana flasks all the time, so I need to get that up. Um, there's like a, a different things. Um, and, and yeah, I was definitely one of the people impacted by the patch notes. I actually got... So the big uh, nerf that a lot of people are talking about is that the fact that they nerfed the Mimic tier or the Ash of the Mimic character, which is basically... It replicates your character. Uh, and so you can summon a version of yourself, a second version of yourself, which is really helpful because a lot of your best moves, that can also do. So uh, if, at the very least, it can kind of draw the enemies at tension away and kind of pull aggro there and then you can kind of chip away from the behind if you need to um but they nerfed them like crazy and i just got him before the patch so i like went to go use him i'm like all right finally i got him because i hear he's the best summon or one of the best summon in the game that is semi-accessible there's some other ones that are better but they're kind of tough to get and i'm still working on that um but there i was like i finally got it and then i went to use it against i think it was mog and he just like damn near one-shotted him and like he what my he wasn't doing anything he was like running around he wasn't doing a lot of damage he wasn't using my best moves and i was like oh my god what is going on and then i looked through the patch notes and i'm like oh my god they ruined my boy and so mm -hmm. he's basically useless now uh and i actually switched back to an older group of summons i had um which is either these shield i use radon's warriors or these great shield people uh, and or sometimes if I'm fighting somebody that I really need their attention drawn, there's this group of like four of like these zombie looking dudes that just because there's four of them, I can it helps draw the attention a little bit longer than other ones, and I just use that to chip at bosses. Uh, but so far I've been making a lot of progress. I really like the game. Uh, it was annoying that they nerfed a lot of these things. Uh, I, I know probably the biggest impact that patch notes did was to people who play PvP a lot. They changed a lot of the weapons, uh, so the less effective basically because apparently some people are just running through people in, in pvp so they tried to balance that a little bit more um which is fine i guess because again that's a multiplayer thing it just sucks that they took away my my mimic tier effect efficacy because that yeah. that that was really supposed to be something that would like help me really well specifically against mog they took away the cheese where you can um jump around and and i certainly have taken advantage of certain exploits um in the game i make no qualms about that like for example um i i don't know if you know but there's a section where you can farm these giant birds and get crazy runes uh so i've definitely been doing that um and you trick them off the ledge yeah yeah 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. you shoot them and you, you cheese them and i've done that for hundreds of thousands of runes no doubt um, because they're 11,000 uh, of every time he falls. And if you have the Golden Scarab, you can get it up to, I think, like thirteen to 15,000 or something like mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, it, it's like you can get 
a million over like, like in less than an hour so you can get crazy amounts of runes uh that way so i've used that to kind of even the odds because again i'm not good at these games so i needed something to like balance the scales a little bit um but again no matter really how strong you get the game is still hard as hell if you don't get that timing right um and learn to like how to use magic or melee or rolls or and all that stuff you need to still understand how the game works um and also there's a really funny way that you can kill a boss by going behind him and just poisoning him to death like you just use a poison incantation and it slowly chips at his health and then just poison him to death without really fighting him <laughs> right outside the capital outskirts is this giant horse guy uh tree sentinel i think his name is something tree sentinel mm-hmm. um so i oh, definitely the other did tree that. Sentinel, yeah. yeah i definitely did that against him i just poisoned him to death because i was like screw it like <laughs> i just put out a podcast and i just kept casting poison um so stuff like that i think is really fun and i just like that you can kind of play it in any way you want um so sometimes i cheese things some things i just had to beat normal sometimes i bring people in sometimes i solo things so i I try everything out and see what works and if i get through it beautiful if i don't i try something else out but uh overall definitely my favorite game stuff definitely can see getting another you know 30 40 hours out of it just because i know there are significant sections of the game i haven't even gotten to yet uh some because of the fact that i can't beat this it's not the final boss but it's uh one of the bigger final bosses um from what i understand mm-hmm. to enter the end game you got to beat him and i can't beat him right now uh and they may have patched the only way to cheese that fight which is fine but he's like insanely difficult so i'm like we'll, we'll see how we get that i might have to recruit some boys to help me out um but also and, and there's also a whole bunch of other sections i just haven't gotten to because i haven't gotten to it yet so i'm discovering new places every day like this uh, yesterday i discovered a whole like poison area that's really interesting uh that that was the first time i got there they had a whole new enemy types in there and stuff like that was crazy so yeah loving the game definitely huge thumbs up from me yeah awesome awesome and congrats to the from software i mean they just released the numbers they have crazy million amount so super super excited for them and it's almost like that you can find success by releasing a game that is completed upon release how crazy is that right actually finishing a game microtransactions yeah just a whole game that you can buy for 60 bucks 70 bucks whatever it is and it's done like how crazy is that it's almost like you shouldn't it shouldn't be normal to go down for 30 freaking hours after you release for something that tries to extract money out of you every five seconds like it's almost Mm -hmm. like you don't Mm -hmm. have to do that necessarily like maybe maybe copying activision is not the person you should be copying so yeah if my biggest complaint of the game is that the grass pops in and I still put in almost 40 hours... Yeah, we're in good shape. You, you guys are fine. You guys are fine. Most definitely. All right, so I guess we can move on to the first story. Um, and this is interesting because it's a new state of play. We actually got kind of two state of plays. Um, yeah. But one of them is specifically related to one game. And I think what makes this interesting is not so much just the game itself, which I would love to talk about, but on top of that, the fact that the way Sony, the, it's interesting that Sony gave this its own state of play. So it's almost like it's getting the first party treatment a little bit, which I think is actually really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, let's get into it. So Hogwarts Legacy, state of play. Uh, Avalanche Software lifted the veil on Hogwarts Legacy during a special state of play. The 20 minute show was dedicated to showing off new gameplay and plot details. As seen in today's state of play, Hogwarts Legacy will let players live their full wizarding life as a fifth year student at Hogwarts. That includes wizard duel with another classmate, brewing potions in class, flying on a broomstick, and exploring the school's campus in your free time. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy is currently slated 
to launch this holiday. And also, this story was by Taylor Lyles over there at IGN. Um, so yeah, overall, I really liked what I saw. Um, I was always very excited about this game, but also very skeptical skeptical about this game. Uh, for years now, we've all wanted that kind of like definitive Harry Potter game where you could go to Hogwarts and just be a student there and go on adventures and create your character and have fun and do all these things. And it looks like we're actually finally getting it. Um, you can explore Hogwarts, the areas around it, Hogsmeade and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, there, it's open world. There's stuff to collect. There's dungeons to explore. You can create your own character. There's classes to attend. I mean, it's pretty much everything the Harry Potter fandom has really wanted out of a game. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I'm always going to be apprehensive about performance. That's a big thing I really want to see, um, how well this performs. We saw some combat. It actually looked a lot more dynamic than you'd think uh, for a Harry Potter game. Um, and, and so from that perspective, I'm like really excited. The storyline looks solid. But yeah, I just want to see this game run. Um, it is an open world game. Uh, it has a lot of moving parts, a school that's constantly moving and shifting, uh, really high resolution textures. It's a beautiful game. I really want to see, can they maintain that steady frame rate? I'm really hoping for like a nice steady 60 prime, you know, triple a experience uh but again i'm I, i'm still kind of holding out i really want to see some tech analysis i want to see like a demo or something go out so people can really play this uh because i think if they're able to succeed in what they promised so far then i think they're in super good shape and i think this is potential to be an amazing game this year however there's still a lot more information i need personally uh what what is your thoughts on this yeah you know you know it's a preference i've always been I've always had this awkward relationship with with Harry Potter and and the whole Hogwarts, you know, the whole universe itself. You know, as a as a kid, I grew up in that time when the churches were like banning Harry Potter and stuff yeah, like same. that. So it was. I read the first book, then it was just I could never watch the movies, like none of that. Um, later on, obviously, <laughs> when I can make my own choices, I just I've seen some of the movies. I haven't okay. seen them all. I'll be honest. So I, I'm not the biggest uh, Harry Potter expert. I am in the process of rewatching all the movies because i feel like what i remember there's a lot of stuff i do like of the world of the just the the whole school aspect of it there's a lot that i like so a game focused on the lore lore of it not of you know actually of harry's journey um super cool you know i remember when this was first announced i remember you were really excited this was on one of your i think we did an episode where we were anticipating games for 2021 this yeah, was on your list for um, sure. but even then even then i believe you doubted it was coming out in 2021 um, so obviously we were you were correct on that, um, but yeah, the game looks a whole lot better than I remember it. I only ever remember seeing that one time, which I think it was a state of play uh, that it was shown originally, um, and I remember us being being like, "Oof, the game looks a little rough," and, and the game looks almost completely different in, in my opinion. I was watching this and I'm like, "Wow, this looks fluent. This looks like I want to play it." You know, I was yeah. like, "There's," I was like, "There's so much." going on i was like it, you know it's got that the fact that it's you know a single player game even though it's got almost it almost looks like a faux mmo um in certain aspects when you're walking around the school and you know the one-on-one -on -one wizard duels look kind of cool the brewing you know the flying on the broomstick obviously was imagine if they tried not imagine them making a game where you couldn't do that um <laughs> you know so it looks really cool i like that this is from my understanding this is all prequel to the harry potter series itself yeah it's in the 1800s um, so, yeah yeah, so I think it's going to be a good time. I do, you know, want to see a little more. I was surprised that Sony was doing a whole 
state of play, they usually only do that for their their IPs, and I think they did it for Deathloop. But Deathloop was also every every two months we saw Deathloop. Yeah, it's an exclusive um, too, so that made sense. Yeah, so that made a little bit more sense. So it, it's really interesting that they're they're full on here for for them, and you know, congrats to. I mean, you got me kind of caring for about Harry Potter, a Harry Potter game in 2022. Um, you know, I, the fact that they aren't clutching down on an official date, holiday. Uh, I probably suspect this playing is probably in February of 2023. I, I don't see it. Yeah, exactly. Probably, yep. You know, um, and small caveat: the game is natively run gonna run on Switch. Now I don't know how well that's gonna run, uh, but there is a Switch copy of this coming out. Um, not a cloud version, which is very interesting, which makes me look over at Square about what they just did with Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Unacceptable. Uh, if, but again, we'll see how that actually plays on Switch. But obviously, I won't be playing it on Switch. But yeah, 480p. It's got yeah, it's got me second. interested. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably end up getting it on PC so I can play it on Steam Deck. For um, sure. But super interesting, you know. You got you know you're you got to win over Hogwarts Legacy has a lot to do because you got to win over the Harry Potter fans, but you you also got to hit the the people who don't not that don't care about Harry Potter, but you know lapsed Harry Potter fans, people who saw the movies or only saw two movies. Or, so I think this is hitting the right amount. There's probably going to be Easter eggs galore on characters. I mean, there's probably characters in that trailer that people knew, and I don't know. It's just people, uh, you know. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who saw that and were spotting all these points. Like if you and I saw a Marvel trailer, we know our stuff. So it's exciting to see that come back to life, especially after being away from the limelight. This is probably the biggest Harry Potter thing we've seen since uh, whatever that Broadway show was. Um, so yeah, you, you got me excited. You, you don't got me sold yet, but you got me definitely. You're on my list now, where I may be playing this uh, this holiday, most likely winter 2023. Yeah, I could definitely see it slipping to early 2023. Um, and then like you, I'm also like not like I I like Harry Potter, but I experienced them way into adulthood as well. Um, I wasn't able. I I think I saw like the first movie as a kid, and then they pretty much shut down the rest of that. Um, yeah. So I experienced everything for the first time probably in like 2013-ish. And then I've seen it all the way through front to back the, the franchise maybe twice since then. So I've seen it a couple times. I like the world a lot. Um, I'm, I'm still like I'm not nostalgic about it. It's something that I like kind of experienced retroactively and I got into it and I dig it. But uh, th- this seems definitely more my speed just being able less so from like a lore perspective just being able to mess around in the school but I, I know this is going to be an incredibly like nostalgic experience that people have been like waiting for for a long time you know to the extent that people were like going online you remember and taking these tests to find out what uh house they belong to and it's like so this i feel like will be the final kind of form of that where like this is about as close as you can get to finally going to hogwarts um (laughs) which is an exciting prospect uh for a lot of people so i'm really hoping that they stick the landing i just want to make sure that it runs right it comes out on time i hope it's not like suffered from a whole bunch of delays but i can i'm really fascinated again most of all by the uh, kind of first party Sony treatment they're getting uh, with their own dedicated state of play. That's actually really interesting to me. And so mm-hmm. that makes me wonder about the broader implica- implications of uh, that relationship there between them and Avalanche and what they're going to be pulling off with this game. And um, yeah, I just wonder if it's going to get the kind of full marketing treatment. Uh, you said that it's on Switch, so it's obviously not a platform exclusive uh, to Sony. So it makes me wonder like, is this just like a marketing thing? Like, what, what's going on here? 
Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to the game and. Uh, Overall, judging by what I see, it calmed a lot of my biggest fears that I had for it. Uh, because mm-hmm. the very first time that they unveiled it, it was running really rough. And that's not uncommon for kind of like first reveals, first impression types uh, of reveals of games. So, you know, by what they showed, you know, the combat, the navigation, the fact you're on Bloomstick and you're, you're flying different animals. And play, I, I don't know if you were straight up playing Quidditch, but you're moving around on a... On a broomstick and you're exploring the school and exploring the village and grabbing things and upgrading things it seems like they have a very robust title here that's pretty far along in development so it doesn't look like they're showing off something way too early than they should uh, which is a good sign so that tells me that hey if they are saying holiday i don't think they'll be necessarily have to launch if they don't if they miss holiday i don't think that they'll launch too far beyond that uh judging by what they've shown so far so yeah i'm feeling good about it yeah yeah it's good good stuff and um you know, it was also random where they're just like, yeah, here's a state of play. So they may be feeling more confident about that date. Uh, yeah, for sure. Than, than we all expect. We, we'd all love to be wrong. Um, so going on to the next story, knows, uh, another, you know, PlayStation state of play happened. This one was, I think, uh, the week before. Um, so it was always weird that <laughs> it was weird that they separated the, the state of play. Um, and we got a, a rundown of things, uh, some interesting ones. Um, so we have Capcom's Exo Primal, which man i wish this was a uh <laughs> we all know what we looked at when we saw this um so exo primal we have uh, basically mechs versus dinosaurs um not to be confused with um wow why can't i think of what dino other... crisis or Di- dino crisis yeah okay yeah. um even though a lot of similarities but vastly different i gotta be honest though i'm not a huge dinosaur guy it is what it is um <laughs> This had a little uh, almost anthem stink on it when I was seeing it, and you know the big focus on like multiplayer co-op battles, and I'm like, okay, it it's random. It, let me tell you that it is a random title. Um, I'll keep my eye on it. I'm a big Capcom guy, you guys. You know we all know this. I'm a huge Capcom fan. Um, this is this is weird, but when you see like oh teams of five and state of the art exosuits, I'm like, there's a lot of this stuff that's not worked for other companies before. Uh, not, you know, so a mech suit versus dinosaurs just doesn't really do much for me. Um, but I'm assuming there is a a calling for that, especially since I got it. I think even one of the characters looked like the character from Dino Crisis, so it's super weird that this is where it comes from. But um, yeah, what'd you think of uh, Exo Primal? Um, yeah, I'm probably gonna pass on this one. It's not really. Yeah. I'm not really into mechs like that. I'm definitely. I'm not into dinosaurs like that. So. Uh, and I'm not into multiplayer games that that much, really. Uh, I can get into a multiplayer game, but it really has to, like sell me and have like a fun loop that would actually entice somebody because it's not really my favorite type of game style. So yeah, Exo Primal just really has got not much for me. But I hope. I mean, it, it's interesting, and I'm. I, what I like about it the most is it's so not a 2022 game in terms of like mechs and dinosaurs is like peak 1998. So yeah. that is what I actually appreciate. That I feel like. For people who are into that kind of stuff, this has a lot of potential to be a really fun thing. But yeah, I'm a I'm a pass on this one. Yeah, most likely that's definitely when I when it comes to PS Plus or Game Pass or one day maybe. I'll give it a shot. Um, yeah, if it comes over yeah. there. Uh, we got a uh, I guess our final look at Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, not sure why we got this because we did just get a sort of they didn't call it state of play, but we had gotten that 15 minute gameplay trailer. Yeah. Of Ghostwire and. Uh, it's getting the same, you know. Funny enough, it's getting the the death loop uh, treatment. Obviously, it's going to be the last. Uh, I think it's the last one of the contract with the whole Bethesda Tango GameWorks, 
deal with Sony. And, uh, you know, this game, again, I, it looks interesting. We've talked about it before where it's like it's not exactly what we thought it was going to be um, from its original, you know, trailer tease at E3 years ago. Um, there is something that's kind of like interesting about it, but there's also something I feel like off about it. Uh, I think the reviews go up from when we're recording this tomorrow at some point. So that is one of those games I definitely have to wait for a review for because it's like we what we've seen is the same thing over and over in different locations. So I'm really interested in what, you know, specific people have to say about that moment-to-moment gameplay. But yeah, is Ghostwire still on your radar? Yeah, overall, I mean, I, I kind of was sold on it a while ago. Uh, it's not like a guaranteed buy, but it's one of those things that's like so long as the reviews are solid. In terms of performance, that's a big thing. It's like so long as the gameplay loop is what they show it to be and the the, the performance is solid. I was already kind of sold on it. So I was like, I, I don't really want to see this game anymore. Like it's right around the corner. I'm cool mm-hmm. on it. Uh, I like what I see. I'm probably gonna, very likely going to get it. So uh at this point it, yeah it's kind of like the death loop oversell like it's like okay i get it yeah we're, we've seen this game 15 times exactly. in the past year uh and though i feel like to be honest at this point those who are going to get it are going to get it and those who are not are not and there's if anything word of mouth is going to move this faster than any additional trailers have because we've gotten like 10 trailers at this point uh so yeah overall i really do like what they're doing in this game but i i'm, I'm like i'm gonna get it it's fine guys yeah <laughs> Yep. Uh, next we saw uh, Forspoken. Um, this coming right off, you know, they did the announcement, uh, I want to say a few days before this, that the game was officially delayed. You know, they needed it to polish up, and I agree from what we had seen. Um, it was weird to delay and then hit us with a, a new trailer <laughs> for the game. Um, so close. But a lot of the things I've had issues with, you know, the gameplay moment to moment looks kind of fun. It, it looks very infamous almost, to, like fantasy infamous style is how I've always kept explaining what i see from it uh the one thing that gets me still is the writing which is really weird because i mean you have amy henning and and um the guy who wrote rogue one uh gary witta i think of the like co-writers and stories so it's like i i'm i'm surprised that that is what what gets it because surprisingly enough this trailer almost had no talking uh so most of it looked really good and then when they did talk it was just so awkward and I still remember that other one where she was like the way she moved things with her mind, the way she even spoke about it was weird. Um, I'm glad this game did get pushed just because there is so much coming out right now uh, between February and March. Uh, that's just, I think this game was gonna be May. That I don't know if that would have been right for it. Following up some really, some really great games, um, you didn't want your game to come out almost, you know, busted or have a major issue. Uh, I didn't need this game right now, so I was more than happy to have the delay. I hope we don't see this until it's ready to be shown, like like that launch trailer they always do. It's okay for First Spoken to go away. Um, so, how uh, what's the temperature check for you on uh, First Spoken? Yeah, the first time I saw it, I thought it was it, it looked cool, but it was weird. Um, overall, I just I was like, okay, so you got this character, this kind of like isekai thing, so she's out of this world and she's been transported to this fantasy world there was it was a very empty world so i was like okay is it like an abandoned like like what are you doing in this game actually because you didn't really see too much fighting she's kind of just running over expanses uh and every time they've shown it i've liked what i've seen a lot more and more and then with this last one uh seeing the gameplay just actively her fighting and seeing the kind of choreography and the way she was moving around i was actually really digging what i saw so i i feel like this kind of sold it for me 
Um, I still want a little bit more information about like what that kind of moment to moment thing as you were talking about, like what does it look like to actually sign into that game and play it? Like, what are you doing? Is it like a mm-hmm. story? Is it exploration? Is it like, like what are you really trying to do here? Um, but overall, I like what I see. I think there are some bold decisions that they're making here. It does not look like a lot of games that you see coming out. Um, and, and, and so in many ways, I feel kind of like inclined, like I need, I need to keep my eye on this because I feel like there's something here, uh, that is giving me a, a way different vibe than a lot of what's kind of out on the docket right now. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something, it's got a weird place, but we'll, I'm sure we'll see more of it, whether we want to or not before, oh, yeah, before for sure. it's launch. Uh, then, uh, next thing that they talked about, uh, Returnal, I was super surprised to see this. Um, Returnal's getting its first sort of expansion slash DLC, but it's almost like a free update. Uh, so Returnal Ascension, uh, which is adding you know a new uh, endless mode for those who want to torture themselves more, uh, an endless sort of tower mode. Um, but even the bigger news is they're getting a co-op mode. Uh, so it's really interesting to see a free co-op mode coming to Returnal. Um, I may finally go back and try to beat this if I can find someone who's way way better than me to carry me through yeah um i don't know how exactly that co-op mode is going to work they didn't get too far into the details um, so i'll wait for that update to come out and people really break down what the co-op mode is but uh it'd be interesting to go back because i've not gone back after i tried and, and remember i tried this game uh close to something like 15 something hours uh and i just could not i was hit i just hit the wall where i just could not make any progress uh no matter how i played no matter what weapons i use i could not just get past it uh it's 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 one of those games that you got you you have to get good uh <laughs> unlike what you can do in like elden ring and go grind do something else and get physically better uh that's not an option in returnal you just have to beat it uh, which is not something i can do uh in that style of game so maybe i can find someone to carry me through but uh yeah super surprised are you surprised to see a, a returnal update yeah, I was actually really excited. Um, I didn't play Returnal, um, but I was really excited to see it do so well because these type of games, I, I didn't feel. I was kind of worried about this game when they first kind of like showed it off, and I was like, okay, this it's like a brutally difficult kind of shooter game done by Housemark, and I was like, I, I don't know if this is gonna work for them, uh, and and it seemed to, and that's really good. Uh, and I'm, this DLC is, I think, really smart. It's adding a mode that's like kind of like the yeah, no duh, like it, this de- definitely makes a lot of sense being put in there. Uh, and seeing kind of the multiplayer mode at work, it definitely looks the most housemarky this game has ever looked before. Yeah. Uh, when they were playing kind of side by side, I was like, that's where that kind of like arcadey energy starts to kick in a little bit more. Uh, where I'm like, oh, that that that's that looks like a housemark game because like when you're watching regular Returnal, you'd be like, really, like they made this? Because really? if you compare it to the previous game, it's like a pretty far departure. Uh, and seeing kind of like that multiplayer kind of aspect of it going it's like that definitely felt like a return to the roots a little bit more with that kind of kind of mm-hmm. uh chaotic arcadey energy so overall i'm i'm happy for it i'm pro- i'm not gonna play it probably because i'd never played the base game either and um i'm not about to pay 70 bucks for something that i'm gonna get my face stomped in five hours in and not be able to progress past that point so i'm cool mm-hmm. <laughs> you're all set on it <laughs> Uh, so next, uh, for the those weebs out there, uh, <laughs> me included, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R, um, which is a sort of sequel slash redo of a PS3 game uh, that they did, but it's including more of the JoJo family, I guess. Uh, I see a lot of the female characters, which I think is the newest iteration of the JoJo's. I 
I'm not a huge JoJo knowledge guy. I actually just started the anime. Um, it's a little rough to get into, but it's cool to see that there. Sony's always come through with the anime games. I think they're the ones who ended up showing the Demon Slayer game early. They usually show the Dragon Ball games coming. Um, they're always tied in with with them, so it's wasn't surprised to see this there. I'm surprised that it's taken this long for a new one to come. But yeah, Bandai always with the anime games and usually pretty close. You know, it comes out on everything, but they're always pretty shown there. Uh, yeah, what did you think, JoJo? Uh, yeah, I didn't play much. I played the first one before, not a lot of it. I do like JoJo. I'm just not far in it. Uh, I'm only in like, yeah. the tail end, like the very tail end of part two, so I'm about to jump into part three. But I, I have a ton to watch. Uh, and then the characters, I, I think like the manga's up to like part eight or something like that. And yeah. anime just started Stone Ocean, which is six or something like that. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot for us to catch up on. So I'm probably not going to get this game just because I'm not going to know 75, 80% of the characters in it anyways. Uh, at least not yet. But perhaps this will be something for me to jump into once I have a little bit more familiarity with JoJo. Yeah, same. that's what I kind of feel like. Once I decide if I really do like JoJo, then possibly, especially if it ends up being on, these anime games just get on a pretty steep sale. Uh, for sure. Not quickly, but a few months after. Uh, next, uh, so from Square, of course, Square was going to show up there. I thought we were going to see some Final Fantasy 16, but we saw uh, two new announcements. Uh, the Dio Field Chronicle, a new strategy RPG from Square Enix, plans to release this year. Uh, this is a real-time tactical battle, uh, so it's a real-time battle system with some tactics um, galore in it. I mean, I liked a lot what I, from what I saw. I'm very, very... Not that the game looks bad at all. The game looks great. It's really random when I get into a very tactical type game. Um, this looks like something I would love to get into, but I just know these games end up being such time sinks. That's why I haven't started uh, Triangle Strategy, um, just because it's like it takes a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot. I do like a lot of the lore though. You know the way it's like sort of medieval but modern day at the same time. It's something that Square really does well with Final Fantasy games. Uh, where it blends really well in this game and then stands out like a sore thumb in uh, Strangers of Paradise. So it's really interesting. But what did you think of this? Yeah, it looked cool. I'm not into strategy games really or, or anything kind of like tactical like that. Uh, yeah. That I, I can kind of name on one hand the amount of uh, titles and kind of my gaming history that I've actually been into with this type of gameplay. It's just not really my thing. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to skip this one, but it, it, overall, I really did actually kind of like the art style and character design. It looked very squarish, and I liked what they were showing, but uh, probably not, not not really enough to motivate me to jump in. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, again, it looks solid. I'm glad for the community that it's there, uh, but who knows? I, I'm usually way down, like, I'm usually like years after is when I usually get into them, uh, but this is probably going to be one that blends in with the rest. Um, but uh, yes, the last thing we saw was uh, Valkyrie Elysium coming out uh, also saying coming out in uh, 2022 also from Square Enix um, so uh, during PlayStation's latest state of play we revealed Valkyrie Elysium a fresh entry in the acclaimed Valkyrie series uh, Valkyrie series depicts the end of humanity and their encounters with the gods through a unique world inspired by Norse mythology um, so yeah I've I've always kept my eye on the uh, on these games on the Valkyrie games, I've never really played one to my knowledge. I'm sure I'm sure I have at some point tried it out, um, but it is really interesting. This one, though, I think there is like some weird graphical filter on the way the game looks. 
Um, but it looks pretty interesting, you know, on, you know, the combat looks pretty solid, the traversing looks pretty interesting, it doesn't look like it's doing anything super new, uh, and that's not to take away from it. if you're doing something that's tested its time and it looks solid is, is, is not a bad thing, but I just, I don't know, the way it's like half cell shaded and half not, it's uh, just <laughs> really awkward for me, um, but it's, uh, it's something I gotta wait on, obviously, I gotta see how, how connected to the whole universe is it, am I gonna feel like I just stick out, um, but you know, in some sections it looks really crisp, um, and you know, it's, it looks good, but it's also got almost like a generic touch to it, which some people really didn't want to hear it, but it's like, to be honest, it looked a little, a lot of reused feel, uh, to it, so what'd you think, uh, of the, of the Valkyrie Elysium? Yeah, no, it looked pretty cool uh to me the only thing is and and so i had to look it up after i looked because i was like well i remember a valkyrie ps1 game something like that that i had uh played in this collection a long time ago of like like when i was like catching up on old roms and stuff like that on my psp um and i think that was it was in it and i and i confirmed that it was i it was i actually still had the file and everything um so I had played the first title on PS1. Apparently there was a PS2 version, and then there's been kind of like offshoots on DS and, and phone games. I haven't played much of those. I haven't played any of those, and I don't really know much about the franchise. Uh, so the thing is, like, I, this game looks cool, but I don't know if I can even jump into this one and know what the hell's going on. I don't know. Um, so if it's kind of like its own standalone, kind of like a soft reboot thing, I might give it a shot and jump it in. But if it in any ways like dependent on the old ones it's been so long since i've even played that first one that i, I have no clue what it's about anymore uh, and then all the characters and stuff like that so i need to see what like is this a good entry point or not yeah that's that's the big one that gets me it's just like you gotta assume they're gonna do it, but you gotta assume they're gonna tie it in somehow it, i remember looking up after this i was like oh this looks familiar and then yeah the amount of valkyrie games that came out and re-releases and all this weird stuff came up i'm like i don't know if i can jump into this universe right now but uh it was interesting to see you know it was interesting to see the square enix double hit there to end off the state of play yeah for sure like the square sony thing is very interesting and it's kind of Mm -hmm. like and they've had their moments in the past obviously where i feel like and you know funnily enough i haven't seen this kind of like square sony combo or sony or like a square playstation combo and like it really is giving me that ps1 first jump from nintendo era when uh they were like they hit us with the 789 thing uh and all those amazing rpgs on the ps1 and so not that they haven't had moments working together since then but this is they're they're definitely like a go in a golden era of this relationship between them two um where like you know with 16 being an exclusive and all these different games coming to playstation and getting that kind of like state of play first party treatment uh they're obviously definitely on the same page and working with each other uh it's very interesting to see that so they're kind of doubling down on the kind of japanese market that these games really market to um and it just makes it makes me fascinated to see what like the rest of the industry kind of like how they react to that because obviously like microsoft has its problems even breaking into japan and they've they've had their attempts to do that and if you wanted to break into japan the one company to have on your side would be square uh and and sony seemingly has that on lock so that's just it's an interesting thing that kind of go through my head when i see this where it's like sony's obviously like best buds with uh, square and obviously that leads to all that freaking acquisition talk which i don't see any evidence of even being likely right now i don't i didn't even see conversations about square even entertaining a buyout um but 
you know, if anyone was going to, it would be, it would probably be Sony. Um, and so I just think that's really, really interesting. Yeah, it would make the most sense, but yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. I like things open, preferably, even though I'm like, you and I are like platform agnostic and kind of play everywhere. I prefer everything everywhere to allow everybody to be able to play things wherever they want, but, and then not have one company own freaking everybody, so preferably. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so we can go to uh, the last story, and it's actually a really interesting one that I haven't seen a lot of people talking about, but there seems to be some issues at the initiative. Um, and this is an interesting story. I haven't paid a ton of attention to the initiative because they've been something that's been announced, but then like not much has really amounted to it at all. Uh, and so I kind of just I was like, well, I'll pay more attention to it when they actually have something to show. But here comes this story uh, detailing a little bit of a turmoil that seems like they'd be going on over there so this is uh from andy robinson over there at uh video games chronicle so as much as half of the core development team known to be working on the upcoming perfect dark reboot quit the company during last year or around 36 people and now uh analysts of the employee linkedin profiles has revealed that includes most of the initiative senior design team including game designer dan newberger design director drew murray lead level designer chris o'neill principal world builder jolian myers two senior system designers a group of three former god of war designers and more and the turnover of top talent does not end in design perfect dark's two most senior writers recently quit and uh analysis shows along with the project's technical director, tech art director, lead gameplay designer, lead animator, QA lead, and more. It's like surprising anyone is freaking left at this point. Um, mm-hmm. According to LinkedIn, the initiative is now left less than 50 people when duplicate, former employees, and erroneous listings are removed and currently has just three roles advertised on its website. The timing of the departure coincides with the September 2021 announcement that Crystal Dynamics has been signed to co-develop Perfect Dark, uh, and this combined with the few job roles currently advertised at the initiative suggests that Crystal Dynamics is likely taking on a much uh, stronger lead than first thought on the project, which is not a good sign in my opinion, but no offense to them. Um, interviews with multiple former senior developers cited a lack of created autonomy and slow development progress as the reason for the departures and described the wave of exits as fast and furious with project momentum said to be heavily affected. Uh, it seems that development has progressed painfully slowly and a solid company culture never formed. All former uh, employees VGC spoke to said they were surprised at how lenient Microsoft has been over the lack of progress. So it doesn't seem that even Microsoft is pushing really hard for this to speed up, which if I was, I'd be on their ass every day. But um, yeah, it seems like there's some real significant issues at the initiative. And this is concerning because this is a relatively on the kind of general game industry perspective a much newer team uh and so for them to have this level of turnover and attrition at this point with a without a single project under their belt is really really concerning um what are your thoughts about this yeah i mean this is i mean this is issues galore i mean we we've kind of at least i've been saying it for a while uh, whether it be on here or just in personal time i said there's something wrong over there you know this is the team that was created from the ground up by microsoft you know the not to get into the whole quadruple A thing, uh, <laughs> yeah. but even besides that, you were getting some big names: Dan Newberg, Drew Murray. I mean, Drew Murray, who's got games like you know, Insom- you know, everything he did at Insomniac. Um, not to say that when he left, so when he left, you know, he left Insomniac to go to the Initiative, 
And basically, when he left Initiative, he went back to Insomniac under a smaller role. Uh, so he basically took a demotion to go back to Insomniac, which is something that kind of goes un- unnoticed here. Yeah, um, which tells you everything is, you need to know. Which tells you everything, where he was like, oh, no way. And he's, it, the fact he's like, I'll go back to Insomniac. I'd rather take with, the cut than work there. I'll <laughs> take the cut and go work at Insomniac with my friends. Uh, uh, and, you know, for a completely different thing. So it's a lot of issues. There's obviously a lot of issues. And, and I was saying this from the, the second they announced that, you know, again... They, the initiative went quiet for a while then i believe at the 2020 game awards they sh- announced that they were doing the perfect dark game i'm like when the rumors were that they were doing perfect dark for a while i'm like oh this game's got to be being sort of close to done i was expecting it actually this year uh that puts it almost like a four or five year development um but then like we said in september 2021 when i saw crystal dynamics and of all people, Crystal Dynamics, fresh off of a award-winning Avengers game, um, award-winning, yeah, stinker well, of the won, years. They won a stinker award from us, so it <laughs> <laughs> won an award already. Right. Um, and I was like, oof, that's a rough team to to go to right now. You know, they dropped the ball in this big, massive online experience they were trying to do, and now we're gonna get them to try to co-develop a game that you at this point should have been almost three years in on. Uh, I was like, oof, that's that's. It's not, you know, like people were saying, it's like, oh, it's not that rare for them to co-develop games. Sony people do it. Go look at, like, uh, Death Stranding, the credit. you got, like, every Sony company on that. But that was from the ground. You know, it wasn't three, four years in, three years in, that a big outside company gets uh, brought in. So as soon as we start seeing all these development, I I don't know what's going on over there. It it does make you worry. it's not the first time we hear that the the super hands off approach of Microsoft um, comes up. Uh, I think in some ways it works. Microsoft has pretty much left Bethesda alone, um, though it's still early in that relationship. Obviously, the whole Activision thing hasn't gone through, but you don't hear about this sort of turmoil elsewhere. You don't hear about that with the coalition that was put together to make Gears of War games. Uh, the coalition has. I mean, they just come out to officially stop supporting Gears Five in the esports range. You know, they've stopped with the with the game. You know, the main game a, a while ago. Um, so whatever they're working on next is coming. Um, so it just makes you wish, like, what's going on here? Is it the people in charge? Is it that they're just some reason they think they can get away with this? Is the initiative going to be like Media Molecule that just gets this weird pass? Has this weird turmoil has this long drawn out development to end up being you know dream i'm sure has its fan base but dreams is nothing uh so like you don't want perfect dark to come back and just be this big flop because at the end of the year or in the early next year of whatever year that game comes out people aren't gonna uh allow it you know it's just you can't do this you, you just to lose so much of your team to be basically in a soft reboot of a game that you guys have been working on for three years with a team that was created for this, uh, with this budget, uh, makes you just really, because it's not just one group or the other. Like you said, it is everyone from directors to to art directors to engineers to animators to the QA team. Uh, it's just everyone's leaving. Everyone's leaving. So there's obviously an issue over there. Um, Microsoft better buckle down and Xbox specifically, you know, get on there. So what whatever the issue is, you gotta correct it because. It's gonna look bad when your team, your own created teams, are gonna start coming out and suffering. And I'm sure there's a story, you know, Jason Schreier 
already probably got something fresh off the press oh, and sure. waiting to be dropped um, as soon as probably some NDAs or whatever come up from the initiative. Something's coming up uh, from it for sure. So whatever the issue is, I hope it gets resolved and I hope everyone's happy making this game because a game made in such a terrible situation, uh, it's going to show in their work. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I just probably wanted to end off by saying like, Crystal Dynamics taking more of a kind of prominent hold on the project isn't necessarily like a death nail. Like, have bringing people in late stage, it's not a good sign, but we've seen good games come out of those type of situations. But I think the problem was, in many ways, and whether this is fair or not, I think uh, the initiative was positioned as a team to be kind of Microsoft's answer to a lot of what was going on in the industry from the bigger teams mm-hmm. on the other side specifically. And I hate to make these comparisons, but yeah, Sony has an insanely robust first-party stable. Uh, and, and so did Microsoft. But in, in many ways, Microsoft was reliant on kind of the same teams to develop or, or to to deliver over and over and over again specifically 343 once upon a time Bungie but 343 and the coalition and it was just those two guys kind of pegging things back and forth and you know of course you'd get a Forza in there every once in a while and some small things but for the most part it was Halo Gears Halo Gears Halo Gears um and so in many ways you know Microsoft's like okay it's time to make our offering a little bit more robust bring in some new teams and so they formed the initiative and this was supposed to be this big major team to make these incredible xbox exclusive experiences that you would imagine on kind of paper would be their answer to the naughty dogs for example yep this yep and um and again that is that unfair of course because you know in many ways like naughty dog is super established and this is a brand new team but at the same time to see kind of microsoft's attempt to have this massive from the ground up created specialty whatever quadruple a experience um team and then this is their first offering and it's going so rocky that they have to bring in crystal dynamics to get things back on track is not a good sign at all and uh, i don't really know of a way to spin that and that's and this is as somebody who really really wants perfect dark to be amazing Uh, i i want nothing more than for you know a couple years to pass and be like oh man Microsoft was in quite the tricky spot, but they really did make a first party as robust, if not pretty close to as robust, as to what Sony's got going on, what Nintendo's got going on. I really want that for them. Um, But it just seems like there's something deeply wrong here, and they need some degree of restructuring, and they need some oversight to keep things on track. And I feel like this kind of laissez-faire, hands-off approach that Microsoft has, that is, I think, in some ways, what makes them such an amazing company to have above you. Um, because they're not really all down your throats and being like, you know, as opposed to like the Activisions of the world that's like, no, put more ways to monetize, do this, do that, annualize the franchise, as opposed to, you know, Microsoft that kind of lets people do what they want. So thankfully, you know, with the Bethesda acquisition, with the Obsidian acquisition, if anything, it just opens up the finances to be able to do more things as opposed to kind of them forcing down the throat what you're going to do. Uh, but it feels like, in many ways, that kind of hands-off approach might be backfiring here because if any team kind of seems like they need that kind of firm hand to be like, okay, here's your deadline, meet it, you know, these are the people that are going to be working on it and you're going to stay. It, it has to be the initiative because that, that churn just tells me that people are jumping ship, to be honest. This is not something like, oh, didn't work out, this team's going to take care of it, we can move on. This tells me like, okay, 
there's uh, if all the leadership is gone the qa is gone the art directors are gone i mean who's freaking left just coders like you can't make a game like that so and you know as someone myself who works in tech you know uh there's a process of onboarding where you're you're training people on how to do the work and that takes time as whether a two week to a, a couple months turnaround depending on the position and if you're constantly in a state of training you can't really build any momentum that way um, because you're essentially essentially in a never-ending cycle of new employees catching up getting up to speed to try to start providing some degree of work to the product or anything like that so um that's another thing to consider is like even if you could be like okay well at least they filled all the positions well that's not an immediate fix to things as well because people need to get primed and trained to be in those positions you know it's not like they walk in day one it's like all right let's start working on perfect dark like of course not you're gonna learn the tools you're gonna learn the team you're gonna learn who you're working Mm -hmm. with what your goals are what the timelines are what the budget for that is um what the scope of the game is there's so much you need to learn in that time and so that's what i i'm concerned where it's like for every step forward they're making they're taking two steps back and so uh it's important to make a note that like yeah like whenever they, they have a lot of catching up to do and i just wonder what their internal timelines are for this because if this is what we're seeing right now like where when is perfect art coming um you know what I mean? Is this like 2024, 2025 type game like talk? Because if it is, then I guess we can dead this conversation and regroup at a future date. But uh, I'm, cu- I'm I'm also con- curious as to what their vision is for Perfect Dark now that, you know, the team is in pretty much disarray. Uh, is there even a timeline that they could even commit to at this point? Like, do they even have people actively working on this game in a way that actually contributes to this game actually being able to hit that timeline i'm just curious about that that's not information that you or i are going to be privy to for pretty much probably ever but uh i'm hoping that schreier article comes out because i know it's coming and i'm actually like super super fascinated about the kind of inner workings of a new microsoft team no yeah that that makes a lot of sense and my only my concern is that anytime microsoft has a game sort of in a development hell uh it usually does not come out good if you go back and look at uh, crackdown 3 that was in development forever that came out so i remember i think i was working at gamestop when that game came out the amount of people who came in upset on how terrible that game was yeah, uh, terry cruz simulator uh, terry cruz uh you know uh same with uh sea of thieves which i know now it's gotten a much better resurgence. Yeah. uh but the development hell that it was in at and then when the game launched was that game was hot garbage and Unfortunately, that was my first experience with Game Pass. I got Game Pass for a dollar, and I tried uh, <laughs> Sea of Thieves. Oh, uh, nice, uh, nice push there, Microsoft. And so yeah, it, it nice makes intro. me worried that uh, that you know Crossfire X was always in this big weird uh, thing, and we never even got to the, a rant on Crossfire X um, with the way that game came out and the microtransactions that it has, uh, which I know wasn't specifically them. I know t- tons of hands were on that, which makes me worried when you see Crystal Dynamics and these outside hands because i think remedy did this the storm over crossfire um so when you see all these extra outside hands in there it's when like when we've seen this before it's usually come out to a dumpster fire so we'll have to see and and i hope not i don't want to be here and whatever whenever i would be surprised if perfect dark comes out before 2025 um um the way they're talking about it the way this is them this is them talking about it you know microsoft's ignoring this uh, having all this out and so 
we'll have to see. I, I don't want to. I, I want to be able to be like, oh, Perfect Dark was so cool. But, you know, the initiative, is, though they've never said it on the record, but from behind the scenes and all these people who've kind of... Initiative was put together to be Microsoft's Naughty Dog. Uh, you, if you even look at the title, they got Perfect Dark. We know that's what this was. This team was created for. Um, I just wonder if they still need that when you have everyone from Activision coming over, everyone that now in Bethesda was brought over. I think maybe there's probably some them be like, we don't need them to do this. And and now it's unfortunate because now it's like you guys are stuck. You have this team, and it would be very wild for them to maybe even close this team, dissolve it uh, without ever releasing. That the would game. be rough. Um, and you know that's happened before. I think Stadia. Sony did that with uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you've got Stadia, which. Luckily, all the games from Stadia are being ripped off um, and being put elsewhere. We just saw that uh, super massive uh, Stadia exclusive game is now coming everywhere else to the quarry. Yeah, the quarry. Um, yeah. So that was a Stadia exclusive. So it's like we don't want to see that happen here. We're just this team was there, and and now we get a you know this fraudulent experience for six years and nothing came from it. Would be just uh, disappointing. Really, it would be really disappointing. It would show that Microsoft maybe doesn't have a handle on everything uh, the way they claim to. You know, you have your people doing what they you got Playground doing what they need to do, you got, you know, Bethesda doing what they need to do, but you have all these guys who knew what they were doing prior to Microsoft getting in. Then you got the team when Microsoft created. You know, 3 for 3 is really getting under some hot water right now. And so then you get the initiative doing this. It just doesn't look well. And yeah. I think there really is something going on on Microsoft's side, on, on Xbox side. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the restructuring that's going on over there. But someone is dropping the ball, and these are humans that are suffering. You know, it's not, oh, we're not going to play Perfect Dark. Yeah, but, you know, these are people who have visions and jobs that they now have to look for new jobs, or luckily we're able to find other jobs. And it's like, this is someone's livelihood that is now being all messed with. Yeah, for sure. I guess we could leave it like that. Then maybe focus a little less on the acquisitions and more on the teams you already own rather than bringing in some new people. Yeah, spend those uh, billions and billions that you're buying Activision for and get your people up to up to par. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. So that's were the three stories that we had for you guys this week. Hope you guys liked the show. And we'll be back not next week, but the week after that. So keep your eyes out for a brand new episode. This is the New Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm here with... Steve, hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you guys then. Bye.